What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 124, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode, Paradise Lost. Oh, it was right there. It was right out. Oh, now it's gone. It's gone. But what's not gone is our independence. We're an independent podcast, and if you'd like to support the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate. We have tiers, we have privileges. Uh, Zach will tell us about the privileges shortly. Uh, and one of the privileges, or I guess I'll tell you about the tiers. Whatever. I may need to rewrite this. Y'all can hear uh, Patreon first content like the Stargate Second Chances episode of Bane that we did earlier in the week and posted there uh, a few uh, several days ago now. We had a lot of fun on that one. And, Indeed uh, we did. Uh, if you want to know right now what I gave Bane uh, on my second rewatch, you can do so <laughs> by joining Patreon. <laughs> and as soon as you do, you'll be able to listen to that episode and hear what I have to say. But if you say to yourself, that's complete garbo, Brent, as the one guy said forever ago. Um, that's right. We are a complete garbo podcast. Complete garbo. That's right. Uh, I want to know what you had to say like right now. Well, you're going to have to wait. But good news is that if you wait, when you wait, you will be able to hear that episode on our main feed at some point when we decide to take a break and fill it in with a, with some content uh, because we plan to release all this stuff out on our main feed. It's just a matter of time. So if you're impatient, join the Patreon. If you want to support the show, join the Patreon. If you are uh, patient and Boy, this sounds bad, but whatever. I don't mean it bad that you're just like, nah, no, I want to do the Patreon thing. No sweat. Uh, all that stuff will be on our main feed. And as you go about your day, if you uh, decide upon yourself that what, what, what you need to do is that you need to spread the good word of walking through the Stargate, you can shout in the middle of a crowded area. If you want more Stargate podcast content, you can find Walking Through the Stargate on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. But if you're really cool, you can find a podcast aggregator and search Walking Through the Stargate and you'll find them. And then people will look at you like you're nuts. And so um, use that with caution, but it would be effective because people would remember (laughs) that one time the person stood in the middle of a crowd and shouted that. So... That would be excellent. So, Zach, yes, if a Brent. person wants to let us know that they stood in the middle of a crowded area, which is kind of tricksy these days, um, and shouted those words and wanted to tell us what reaction that they got from the crowd, how, how might they do that? So, if you have done this, then please let us know. If you have listened to this opening discussion, talk, whatever these words are that Brent has done, and you realize that Brent wrote something down and then basically didn't do what he wrote, and you think that you could write better than that, and you (laughs) want to tell us you can do all of that. Also, something about olives and other things that we talked about last time that I completely forgot about until David said something, so I don't remember. (laughs) Olives. In any case, in all of these situations... Email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com, which is W-A-L-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-O-U-G-H-T-H-E-S-T-R-G-A-T-E at gmail.com. Pretty good. Pretty good. Or, pretty good. Or go to the Twitters. We're at Stargate Walking. Mm-hmm. 
Or go to the Facebooks. We have the Walking Through Stargate Facebook page and the Facebook group. Incidentally, Brent, one of our mm-hmm. Facebook people, uh, did an art project for her school where she had a little flip book about a person walking through the Stargate. And I thought yes. that was awesome. And I that's say thank fun. you very much for sharing that. And now oh, I am that's terribly cool. sorry I'm blanking on your name. Uh, but I loved it. Thank you very much. That's a lot of fun. I might, I might break my um, Facebook it's not a ban. What am I trying to do? Whatever. Abstinence? I guess that's technically true. Um, <laughs> for purposes of uh, taking a look at that art project. That sounds great. Abstinence only doesn't work, Brent. Uh, it, which, yeah. Right? Right? And if you dabble in Facebook use, can you really say that you're abstaining? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay i'm cracking up because obviously i'm making a different joke there and i'm cracking up at the different joke there oh so. boy all right in yeah. any case with all of that you could also go to our website which is brent what what is the website oh you okay wow okay all right fine it's wtts.space there you go you, i i was just lobbing that over to you and you totally whiffed uh, that's because I was leaning against the wall, kind of just like watching the clouds, and all of a sudden the balls comes like barreling at ah. me. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> it's over to me now. So, in all of this, <laughs> if you want to help control how things go in this podcast, and by control, I mean that very, very loosely, and I mean that <laughs> in the terms of voting for things that you would like us to rewatch and mm-hmm. rehash and talk about again and reconsider all of those things, you can go to patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate and join us there. We have lots of different things. Well, we have some things. If you do that, we say thank you to you on the air, which yes. we have done in the yes. past. We yes. say you can vote every week, not week, month. every month yeah. for an episode. <laughs> and depending on how what level on Patreon you are, you get different number of votes, which is mm-hmm. way cool, mm-hmm. awesome, awesome, um, and stuff. <laughs> Zach spent a lot of time trying to get the balance right on that one because he he does games, not for a living, but almost. <laughs> well, I mean, no, not even close. I'm no. just saying that you do games a lot. I also actually realized that uh, some balance needs to be happening. Um, and so I will talk to you off the air and we'll see, consider see, he's, that. See, he's, he's tweaking it again, but he's good at it, though. See, that's the thing. So, all right. In any case... Uh, well, we just finished watching the episode on uh, watching. Well, watching it, we yeah. did watch it and yep. uh, releasing that podcast on Bane uh, mm-hmm. just a few days ago. The height uh, of television, and you know, you can if you are on the Patreon, you can listen to that right now. If you want to join us, you can listen to that right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the next uh, week or so, I'll try to get those emails out to the Patreon people so they can vote for September. If you yeah. Uh, haven't voted for August, you are still welcome to do that. Please do that, because I like getting emails. So email <laughs> oh, me at walkingthroughthestargate wow. at gmail.com. <laughs> I mean, good. Uh, I just, I, dis, I guess I didn't realize that you and I are on different ends of the liking email spectrum. Well, okay, Brent. So yeah. uh, what I'm doing here is trying to encourage people to oh, participate. Oh, got it. Got it, got it, got it, got it. I love getting emails too, Zach. There you go. There you go. <laughs> oh. oh, boy. Good stuff. Okay. So, 
with all of that stuff, shall we mm-hmm. dig into this episode, The Lostness of Paradise? Uh, I mean, yeah, Paradise Lost. Let's let's see if we can find it. All right. Well, the director who lost Paradise is William Garrity. William? William right there. I know. So this is his first directing credit of to this season. Oh, they now, gave him another shot after he lost it, eh? Mm. Well, uh, they did. They did. Um... Uh, he did direct several episodes uh, in previous seasons. He directed Between Two Fires and Desperate Measures in season five. Mm-hmm. Uh, Between mm-hmm. Two Fires, um, that's a Tokra, not a Tokra, that's a Tolan episode. Uh, yeah, that's, and, yeah, that's the one where they lose it all, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Desperate Measures is the one when we meet Adrian Conrad. Right. Uh, who is that's referenced in this episode? What? That's right. He, he was referenced. I yeah. said that was a good one, I think. Let me rephrase I, that. I remember Adrian Conrad. I, I, I can't remember what we rated that one. I, Neither do you I. Know. I can't remember either. So, uh, the teleplay for this episode is by Robert C. Cooper. Mm-hmm. And when asked what the C stands for, he says it cookie. Because C mm-hmm. is for cookie, which is good enough for me. It's good enough for me. C is for cookie, it's good enough for me. Exactly. Sorry. Uh, so, Robert Cooper, uh, this is his fourth of five writing credits this season. He wrote Redemption Part 1, Redemption Part 2, Frozen, and for the episode Unnatural Selection, he had a story credit. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I didn't go back at those other ones to see if I counted that as a writing credit or not. Uh, so, if you listen to a previous episode and I happen to say... Uh, you know, the first of four or whatever. Uh, that's because I apparently in those episodes did not count unnatural selection. I did in this time. So you can, if if you have serious problems with that, <laughs> you can email us at walkingthroughthestargate.gmail.com. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we like getting email. We do. We do. Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> All right. So we have a few guest actors for this episode. Mm-hmm. We have Dan Shea returning as Sergeant Siler. We have Gary Jones returning as Sergeant Walter Radar Harriman. Yep. We have Bill Dow, who returns as Dr. Bill Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Do you remember him, Brent? I, I definitely remembered his face for sure. sure. I just don't remember the episode. So the he was in the season four episode Prodigy when they go to the moon and they have uh, Cadet Haley and the little glowing mm-hmm. lightning bugs that try to fly through you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All That's of that right. stuff. He was in that episode. Um, this is his second episode then. So that was his first. This is his second. Uh, no. We will see Dr. Lee again and quite often, relatively speaking. Uh, in the future, both in SG-1 and in Atlantis. Hey, nice. So, but now I'm having a pet theory getting developed. When Dr. Lee is around, even, well, yeah, no, we learned at the end of the episode that there, that Dr. Lee was nearby. When Dr. Lee is around, or no, I guess it happened before then. Whatever. When Dr. Lee is around, um, Colonel Jack O'Neill can take a Zat gun and still be at least somewhat conscious and then able to move. So I was actually listening to the commentary, as I do, mm-hmm. and they were talking mm-hmm. about this, and they acknowledge, uh, the commentary was uh, Michael Greenberg, one of the executive producers, and Robert Cooper, and they acknowledge that sometimes the Zat Blast effects are different depending on the circumstances. And what they are trying, one of the things that they try to do in the visuals is show whether somebody gets hit directly or whether one just kind of gets a glancing blow and the more gotcha. direct the hit happens, the greater the effect they're in. 
Uh, whether they are consistent with that, I don't know. But that's one of the things that they have been trying to do. I'm willing to. I'm. I'm willing to. Yep. That. I'll. I'll. I'll try. I'll hit that softball. I'm not sure. Right. That's not really a phrase. But I get it. That's good. I like it. All right. You'll drink the lemonade. I will drink said lemonade. All right. And we have, of course, one more guest actor that we would be remiss if we did not talk about because he oh, yeah. is one of the main characters of this episode. None other than Tom McBeath playing Yay. Harry Mayborn. Nice. So I remember when we first met Mayborn mm-hmm. way back in episode whatever of season one. Mm-hmm. And I said, this guy returns. You were all like. And I'm like, just trust me. It works. It's good. And now you're all like, it's Mayborn. Yay. Yes. Yes. We'll get into it. All right. In any case, uh, those are our guest actors. The original air date for this episode was January 8, 2002 in the UK and January 31st, 2000. uh, So January 8, 2002. Three. I didn't change that. This is this is the first time in the UK there in 2003, and I didn't change my show notes. That's my mistake. That's I got it fixed. So it's fixed now. It's all fixed. And in the US, they were watching this episode on January 31, 2003. Mm-hmm. In the char- on the charts in the US for January 31, they were listening to "Bump Bump Bump" by B2K and P Diddy. We've we've returned. We we've, we have completely gotten into the zone, Zach. Where I don't know where my head was, but I do not remember any of these songs anymore. So, <laughs> like, there was a spot there where we were where we were hitting these number ones, and I'm like, yeah, it was this one, it was this one, it was this one, and I'm just like, I was in my own little world. Well, so I didn't. I, well, I've never been in that space where I actually knew very many of these songs. But that's okay. Uh, in the yep. UK, they were still listening to Stop Living the Lie. And by the way, Julie wants to say to you, well done on predicting what Stop Living the Lie is all about. I, I finally got one right. right. Now, I'm assuming that since we listened to that last week, we're listening to a little bit of Bump 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 right now. Oh yeah, it's been playing this whole time. And, and I'm curious as to what it is that we're listening to, Brent. Do you want me to try to give you an accurate guess or a funny guess? Uh, you can guess whatever you want. I would love to hear it. Oh, this is just, this is totally just like opera. This is like, bum, 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 bum. It's like, it's like, it's like, uh, it's, it's got a little bit of um, not really inspired, uh, like, like, Georgian England style. It's like it's like it's like what was happening in the court of George the third, second, uh, whatever. Where it, like people were like those guys over there in like like Germany, they're doing really good stuff, and and Italy's been on the scene for quite a while. But so we should do something cool too, and they're not really doing it. And so it's um, strings and some woodwinds, and it's just kind of this light, airy, like just just nice. But relatively boring song that's been playing this whole time. Ah, well, and you think that's what it is? I'm, I'm, you know, it, it, it's got to be that. What else could bump, bump, bump be? I mean, surely not something that has a heavy bass and uh, kind of a kind of a growly sound. And we're talking about uh, taking care of business, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So. 
Um, well, whatever Bump 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 is, they were listening to it in the U.S. in 2003. <laughs> uh, and they were watching movies in 2003, too, Brent. Did you realize yes. that? Yes, I, I did realize that. Um, and so some of the, the most uh, watched movies at this time included The Recruit, mm-hmm. Final okay. Destination 2, Okay. Biker Boys. Okay. Kangaroo Jack. Okay, there, there, that was my one. And Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. So. Okay. Um, I don't know. I saw Chicago. I, 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 yes, I've seen Chicago. Uh, that's the only one of those ones that I've seen. Um, I don't know anything about any of them other than Chicago, which is a musical. Uh, which is a good musical, and I can't remember for sure whether or not they did a great job in the movie. I think they did okay. People, yeah, people who know musicals tell me they did okay. Yeah. Um, so, those are the movies that people were watching. Yes. Now, besides listening to Bump, 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 and besides <laughs> watching movies, other things were happening at this time, too. Did you know that, Brent? You don't say. I, I, I do say. What, what kind of things were happening? Well, I'm glad you asked, because I can tell you some of the things that were happening. <laughs> One of the things that was happening at around this time, on January 26th, 2003, in fact, was Super Bowl 37. It was held yeah. at Qualcomm Stadium in San Diego. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers were playing the Oakland Raiders, and the Bucs beat the Raiders 48-21. to The MVP go. was not a quarterback. Because neither of the quarterbacks were especially exciting, especially the Buccaneers quarterback. But the MVP was Dexter Jackson, who was a a safety for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Go team. Also on the 26th was the 19th annual Sundance Film Festival and American Splendor, directed by Shari Springer, uh, Sherry Springer Berman and Robert Pulcini, wins the Grand Jury Prize in Dramatics. Ah, very good. A few days later, still before this episode aired, on January 29th, Sally Clark was cleared of murdering her two sons after more than three years of prison in what was a life sentence. Hmm. I don't remember hmm. that story. No, neither do I. Um, a day later, on January 30th, Belgium legally recognizes same-sex marriages. Mm-hmm. So, there you go. Uh, also on the 30th, Richard Reed. Uh, was sentenced to life in prison for attempting to bomb an American Airlines flight with 197 people on board. He was the shoe bomber. I believe you're right. Don't. And he is now why we have to take our shoes off when we go. We have to take off our shoes. Through the airport. And I think he's also why we only are allowed to have three ounces or less in a single thing through a plastic bag. Yep. I think so. It's been a few years. Yeah. I, I've got opinions. I've got tons of opinions. I'm going to just keep them to myself. Okay, All right. Carry on. On January 31, the waterfall rail accident occurs near Waterfall, New South Wales, Australia. I don't know about the waterfall. Rail. I'm assuming that it was a railroad accident, and I am assuming that it happens at or near a waterfall, or perhaps Wouldn't just it be funny? in a town called Waterfall, which I'm presuming... The town waterfall has a waterfall in it. Although, to be fair, the city that I grew up in has a rapids in the name. However, there are no rapids 
in that yeah. town. Yeah. So yeah. this could be the city of waterfall that has no waterfalls. I was I was also thinking of um, one of my favorite towns, town names in the United States, uh, the town of What Cheer, Iowa. Uh, no, it's not What Cheer. It's What Cheer. Yeah, fine. Um, it's spelled What Space Cheer. That I imagine that the statement. locals say What Cheer. That's fine, but it is implying either when it was founded, people were like, "Oh, goody, goody, What Cheer, yay!" Or they were there looking across the landscape going, what, what, what cheer? What, what cheer? There's nothing. There's nothing here. There's no cheer. But they got cheer in their name. Maybe there's no waterfall, but they got waterfall in the name. Well, that could be. My mm-hmm. personal favorite city title, well, city title, city name, one of them is the, the town of Normal, Illinois. Oh, yeah, Normal. Yep. <laughs> yeah. All right. Everything there is in the middle of the bell curve. It, it, it is just, just very normal. Nothing it's, terribly exciting. Nothing nope. unexciting. Nope. It's just, just right there. Mayo, wheat bread, but no grains in it, like pepperoni pizza. I like pepperoni pizza. Don't be dissing pepperoni pizza. Well, it's very normal of you. Oh, well, fine. Yeah. On February <laughs> 1... The space shuttle De- Columbia disintegrates during Ooh. re-entry into the Earth's atmosphere. Yep. That remember was that. a big deal. Yes, it was. And I don't remember exactly what happened there. Uh, they figured there was a crack in the heat shield or something, if I recall correctly. There, yeah, the, the, there was fo- they, they used to put foam on the outside of the external fuel tank. Later, we learned that, that foam falling off of that tank happened fairly regularly and it was basically miraculous that this type of accident hadn't happened more often well one of the pieces of foam hit the leading edge of one of the wings cracking the uh heat shielding and also then puncturing a hole into that flight surface as well so that when they were re-entering into the earth's atmosphere the plasma superheated plasma was able to get into that hole and basically burn the wing off and that was that, that. was that Yep. All right. So, are you ready for some trivia about Paradise Lost? Yes. Okay. In the original script, Jack and Harry were going to find a furling skeleton at the campsite. So this is the one of the first times in a long time that we've actually heard the name furling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they were going to have, among all of the other skeletons, a furling skeleton there, which would make sense. Mm-hmm. However... No one on the production team could decide what the furlings should look like, and so they dropped the idea. Uh-oh. I don't, that does not bode well for me. I want to see a furling. Ah. Well, it is possible, I can't say this without spoiling anything, that in the future you will see what a furling looks like. I However, will, in order didn't do to not spoil anything, I also have to tell you it is also possible that you will never see what a furling looks like, and you will just have to live with that your the rest of your life. I'm imagining a Furby right now. Uh, well, you know, according to uh, O'Neill, furlings are giant furballs, or like oh, like bears or something like that, like huge tribbles. Like, I, well, I don't know if he was thinking huge tribbles or not, but he was figuring that they were furry because it's in their name. Fur. I would like to imagine them as huge tribbles or furbies. I'm going to go with one of those two. Well, there you go. It could be. Could be. Yeah. 
we'll have to wait and see. Okay. Because we don't know yet. We have we have seen the Asgard. We've seen the Nox. We are familiar with the Ancients. We don't know much about the Furlings. Yep. All right. In any case, Harold Mayborn states that he does not enjoy eating arugula, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, this is kind of an inside joke because Robert Cooper dislikes arugula. <laughs> tastes like arugula. Tastes, I can't eat this, Jack. It tastes like arugula. Uh, anyway. Don't eat it. Right, so, going back to the furlings, this is mm-hmm. the first appearance of furling technology in the series. Mm-hmm. However, it is hinted in the Stargate SG-1 role-playing book Friends and Foes, Stargate Season 2, that the mm-hmm. touchstone... Do you remember the touchstone? Yeah. Uh, from Madrona was apparently created by the furlings in that. That's not said okay. specifically in uh, the show, but there it is in that yeah. extra book. So um, I always just thought it was appreciated. Uh, pre- I appreciate the fact that we get a little bit of furling technology here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and I had actually forgotten that this was furling technology until I rewatched this episode. So mm-hmm. there you go. Uh, the DVD commentary also makes note of the fact that this was filmed at Pitt Lake near Vancouver, and I thought it was a beautiful landscape. So yes, awesome. it was. Um, uh, so the episode, of course, is referencing John Milton's Paradise Lost, uh, mm-hmm. and I—it's been too long since I have processed Paradise Lost by John Milton, so I can't remember all the details therein. However, some folks say that you can draw certain parallels between Mayborn and Lucifer. Hmm. Um, and, and as I read this little un- thing in my trivia sections of various websites, I'm like, oh, I should look into that. And you know what I did not do? You didn't look into it. That is precisely what I did not do. Yeah, we can yeah. look into it later. Yep. All right. So according to Joseph Malazzi, Mayborn was going to die at the end of this episode in the early versions of the script, but mm-hmm. this was later changed before the final draft. Gotcha. So. It definitely, it de- I, I was a little surprised that Mayborn lived. Well, you know, I mean, given what, what surprises me most is not that he survived the second shot, but that the first shot appeared to be a gut wound. And then he, it must not have been too bad because he was able to get up and make an assault on the campsite before he got shot again. But Maybe when you look at raised. him in that little cubby, and he's like, yeah. you shot me. It looks like he's got, like, this center gut wound. And if that's the case, he would have been dead then. Yes. I mean, not right away, but that would have been enough to kill him, given the rest yes. of the situation. Yes. But he survives. So, woohoo, go team. Now, this episode marks the fourth time that O'Neill has been stranded on a planet off-world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have Brief Candle in a, a Season 1, 100 Days, which is, I don't remember, a Season 2 or 3. We've got The Fifth Man, which was a 3 or 4 or something like that. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you've got now Paradise Lost. Mm-hmm. There you go. Okay. Uh, I now have a quote here from uh, Amanda Tapping. And this is kind of a lengthy one, but, you know, hang in with her. Sure. Uh, as, at first, she says, I said to the writers, uh, no way, I would never let Mayborn get the Zat gun and catch me off guard like that. You're making me look stupid. <laughs> but they assured me, oh, no, 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 we did it in a way that it wasn't your fault. 
So, anyways, it was my fault, and I couldn't figure out how to solve it. And uh, get rid of this force shield thingy. So I start getting really frustrated and being mean to everyone. This is Amanda Tapping talking about her character and all of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of a nasty bitch the whole episode. And I'm just so mean and cruel to everyone because I can't help them. But in the end, she breaks. She just loses it and completely breaks down and starts crying and everything. Mm-hmm. Now... During the filming, we were going to do the scene where she breaks and starts crying and everything, and she goes to Teok, who's there, and he comforts her and hugs her and everything. And I think that this was a really, really, I think this was really important because they don't really show all that much of the friendship between her and Teok. Mm-hmm, there was mm-hmm. this scene from Meridian uh, where she goes into the hall after her goodbye, and she's crying, and her and Teok hug. And it was just a nanosecond of a scene, and they cut it out, cut out most mm. of it. So I thought it was absolutely necessary that they have this scene. And we kept running out of time. We were supposed to do it one day, and we ran out of time. So they're like, oh, well, we'll do it tomorrow. And we run out of time again. And they said, oh, well, we'll do it tomorrow. And they keep putting it off. So I actually went to them and was like, we have to do this scene. It's important. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the few things that I actually fought my heart out for. It was really needed. So we got to do it in the end. And I think that all her meanness and cruelness and all to all of the scientists and everything was justified in the end by her breaking down like that. Oh, man. You know, so I'm thinking about it, and I'll give you a little taste about what I'm going to be talking about. Um Okay. If that scene had not been in there, then the end would have felt... I guess I got to trail off, otherwise I'll spoil it. Let's stick a pin in that and we'll come All back right. to it. Um, I like that scene personally, I think, and I think it is important. One of the things that they were talking about on the commentary, Robert Cooper and Michael Greenberg, is that it was about a week and a half or two weeks after principal filming had ended when they filmed that scene. Mm-hmm. And they were assuring Amanda that they would not skip that. That that was definitely that was always going to be part of this. And you can decide whose version <laughs> you want to believe. Uh, I don't know. So the title in this episode in English is "Paradise Lost." Mm-hmm. And the French, the Italian, the Spanish, the Czechs, the Hungarians—they all follow suit with "Paradise Lost." Mm-hmm. And the Germans do the same. Ah, oh, they don't say Mayborn Lives. They don't say Mayborn Lives. Uh, they also call it Paradise Lost. There you go. Okay. Right. So, are you ready for the synopsis, dear friend Brent? Yes. All right. Let's get into it. Here we go. Previously on Stargate SG-1, O'Neill hates Mayborn, O'Neill wants to shoot Mayborn, and then in a body, buddy cop style, the two team up to take down a different bad guy, but that feeling of shooting Mayborn returns. What will happen next? And now, someone takes a hot dog off the grill. O'Neill walks out of his cabin and notices one of his dogs is missing. Turning, he sees his old friend, nemesis, Harry Mayborn, sitting there eating his hot dog. He snagged one of the colonel's beers, too, by the way. Mayborn has had his fingers in countless illegal operations for the NID over the years and is now 
on the run, branded a traitor to the United States. However, Mayborn wants Jack to get him one of those handy-dandy pardons from the outgoing president. He tells him that he knows about Simmons and the attempted theft of the Prometheus in order to find a cache of ancient weapons. Harry goes on, and this planet actually has a Stargate, and he knows the address. But that's not all, because Harry actually wants to go with Jack to the planet. Now, Jack is not convinced, but nevertheless takes the address back to the SGC. SG-1 visits the planet P5X777 without Mayborn. They find things there very much as Harry had described. However, the technology there is not ancient. It belongs to the Furlings. Unfortunately, there appears to be some kind of doorway that cannot be unlocked without the particular doodad that Mayborn said he has and that they only get if they take him with them. So, if they want the weapons, then they'll have to bring Mayborn with them. O'Neill goes back to Earth and collects his nemesis slash friend. On the planet, Mayborn does the thing with the thing, and it doesn't work. He's astonished. He can't believe the thing didn't work. It was supposed to work, Brent. It was supposed to work. I mean, it was right there in the instructions. It was. It's right there. So Carter offers to take a look at it, and while she's distracted, Harry steals her zat gun and shoots her. She goes down. Jack tries to stop Mayborn, but the rogue shoots him, too. Stepping over to the thing, he does a different thing, and suddenly the door appears to open. He steps through, but not before Jack tackles him. They are both transported to a field of yellow flowers, a long way from wherever they were before, alone. Back at the furling door, Carter recovers from the Zat Blast. She and the team immediately begin looking for O'Neill, but the search provides no direction on where he is. The SGC gets a whole team of scientists involved, but they too have no luck in finding the colonel. Through it all, Sam is clearly getting more and more upset. She is clearly distressed and frustrated and angry and sad. And unsurprisingly, Harry has lied to Jack again. This isn't a place with a cache of weapons. Instead, it's supposed to be a place of utopia, where different aliens have gathered to step away from the struggles of the galaxy. And Harry figured this would be a good place to retire. But Mayborn is confused. He expected some kind of greeting party. But there is no one to welcome the two newcomers. The two humans begin walking, Mayborn claims he knows the way to the camp, but Jack heckles him, pretty well convinced that they are lost. But O'Neill is surprised when they actually find the camp of this alien utopia, and the two of them are equally surprised when the camp not only appears to be deserted, but there appears to be the skeletal remains of several members of this utopia scattered throughout. How long was this invitation to Paradise sent? The reality of the situation begins to sink in. They could be stuck on this abandoned planet for a long, long time. Carter's team sends a UAV to scan around the area. No luck. The scientists do everything they can to interface their technology with the furling tech. No luck. They get the Tok'ra to fly past the planet and scan for survivors. No luck. The Major is getting desperate to find her friend and colleague. 
A week has passed. O'Neill begins to uncover some of the clues to the Utopia's fate and notices increasingly paranoid behavior from Mayborn. Mayborn is hearing things at night. He wonders if the former residents aren't as former as originally suspected. He wants Jack's pistol for protection, but O'Neill refuses. At one point, Mayborn runs off into the forest, leaving Jack behind at the camp. Jack discovers a kind of logbook from the Utopians. Slowly, the pieces begin coming together. The Utopians were destroyed when some Gua'uld showed up. They couldn't bring weapons, so they brought a psychotropic plant instead. And Mayborn has been eating that plant. And unfortunately, so has Jack. This plant caused the Utopians to ultimately kill each other. Stupid Gua'uld. Stupid. When O'Neill returns to camp, he discovers that Mayborn snuck in and stole his P90. Great. Just great. And so begins the search. In the forest, O'Neill trips a grenade trap that Mayborn had set up to kill a wild boar. The grenade injures O'Neill's leg. He sees a boar charging him, and he fires his pistol at the beast. We hear the cry of a man and the boorish squeal of a pig. The pig is gone. Gosh, it's hard to concentrate when you've got drugs in your system. Hear that, kids? Don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. O'Neill finds Mayborn. He's not doing well. He's definitely under the influence of the plant, and he's been shot. You shot me. You actually shot me. With the P90 in hand, however, Mayborn insists that O'Neill leaves him alone. Later at the camp, Mayborn makes his own assault on Jack's position. The result does not go well for Harry. Mayborn is shoot him is forced to shoot him again. No, Jack was. Jack. 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 I'm sorry, I said that wrong. Jack. I even wrote it right. I just said it wrong. Jack is forced to shoot Harry again. After stopping Harry's assault, Jack does the triage needed to keep him from bleeding out immediately. Back at the SGC, the stress overwhelms Carter. She breaks down, crying, lamenting that O'Neill is likely gone forever and it's just too soon after Daniel died. The emotional weight of all that has happened has broken down her shields and she lets it all pour out. And Teal'c is there, saying very little, comforting his friend, just being present with her. Later, they finally get some pictures of that doodad Mayborn used to open the door. Sam looks at it and immediately recognizes something. The markings aren't just decorative. The big circle is the planet. The little circle is the moon. The line going through them is the doorway. They pull up the map footage, and sure enough, when they first arrived, the moon was visible in the sky. But O'Neil, when, after O'Neill and Mayboard went through the door, the moon disappeared. Sam didn't notice this before because clearly her anxiety over the situation clouded her capacity to think clearly. With this new information, a Toko ship is dispatched once again to seek out the moon and survivors on the moon. Hopefully there are survivors on the moon. Mayborn comes to. His mind is clearer now that the drug is wearing off. He's in pretty rough shape, though. He wants Jack to let him die, but Jack figures that's a bad idea given that the Tok'ra are there to rescue them. Mayborn doesn't want to go back to Earth. And Jack figures the Tok'ra should be able to find a nice new home for Mayborn to retire. The end. The end.
So Brent. Mm-hmm. Paradise Lost. Mm-hmm. I'd like to hear your thoughts. Please share them. I will share my thoughts on Paradise Lost. Good. They they had some paradise, and then they lost it. And I don't mean in the story. I mean that there were a lot there were a lot of good parts in this episode. There were a lot of good parts. And there were a couple of a couple few things that I think were I, I, I hesitate to say terrible, but they were not that good. And so as a result, like, well, okay, let's get into it. Um, okay, I'm, I'm, this story, I'm listening. This story started strong. It really did start strong. And also uh, the, the complex relationship between Mayborn and O'Neill is like on full display, obviously. But it really like, it, it, it starts good. It stays good. It, it was really good. The, the, the rapport between those two characters. And I was really enjoying watching that develop and transpire on the screen and, and, and all, this, all this stuff happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the story itself seemed fine. Seemed seemed fine. Yep. Uh, let's uh, that 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 Simmons uh, you know tried to capture a ship because he thought it was going to be easier to get to this gateway to the alien cache than it would be to try to hold the SGC. La la la. Um, reasonable. Very very reasonable. Uh, so let's just go straight there and then use the gate or the the yeah the the ancient gate. Uh, the little rapport, the 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 witty repartee regarding the fur balls and having all that stuff set up, and then then the situation with um, Mayborn, kind of fiddling with the combination, getting that thing ready. I mean, I was I was in. I'm like, yeah, what's going? What's going to happen? Okay. And then his treachery was, of course, typical Mayborn. I did not view Carter as being taken advantage of in that moment. I viewed Carter as trusting that um, 99% of what Mayborn had told them to this point was perfectly accurate. Um, I mean, maybe there's a little bit of like her Zat was unsecured or something. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, there, there could be a way. I, I, I let that thing just roll right over the top. I did not uh, view this as, as an, uh, a profound error of Samantha Carter, even though she later says that it's her fault. I, I was with yeah. I was with Hammond on that one of like fine yeah we could talk about how we can prevent such a thing in the future but right now let's do let's 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 figure out let's solve the problem yeah I, I would like uh, to just real quick uh, make a comment there that I would agree with you that uh, it strikes me as the issue was not that Carter was negligent it was that she was trusting her team and then her team took advantage of that. Yes. Um, I also appreciate the way she takes responsibility for it because it was her weapon and all of that stuff. Uh, I think that's because she's a leader. And then, of course, yeah. also because uh, the end result was that uh, O'Neill was taken and disappeared and was gone. And she is just dealing with the, the emotional ramifications therein. Yep. So she's blaming yeah. herself. And the, the part of the story where uh, O'Neill and Mayborn are on that planet was by themselves, I thought was excellent. I thought that part was really, really, really good. There was there wasn't much in there that I was thinking was a little bit over the top. Um, you know, I'm willing to 
call the second the, the the second to last shot that Mayborn took as a graze. I mean, I get it. He's lying down. He's got his hand over his gut. Very typically, that's the that's the signal that the that the person's on death's doorstep, and he lifts his hands up and it's all bloody. But it's also possible that he got grazed. You know, just in a way that made a lot of made a lot of action and not a lot of consequence. Sure. Um, but but anyway, um, the 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 part that I really really liked, and it had been quite a while since I had seen uh, Apocalypse Now, but I I w- I think that the dialogue less scenes of uh, Richard Dean Anderson running around and you know doing things in the camp, shot after shot after shot, and him conveying information with just his body language, his face, his you know like. That I thought that was really good television. Like that, it was well paced. It was very well shot. Um, There wasn't a word said, and yet there was a whole lot being conveyed. And it also made sense that he wouldn't say a word. He's by himself, so it was just it was just really good. And and I was and I was recall. And the reason why I bring up Apocalypse Now is because it just was. I don't remember if that was a thing that I saw in Apocalypse Now. That kind of like wordless action being taken in the construct of a person engaging with his environment for purposes of keeping his himself safe um and all that complexity that comes with it um mm-hmm. but anyway I, I really like that 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 scene right in there uh the resolution of the story how we got to the resolution of the story is a little bit of where i think things kind of don't work out that well um i get that we want to show Samantha Carter as being intense because she believes she's at fault for this thing happening. And the scene between her and the, the scientist doctor guy, uh, th- that was all right. That was pretty, that was pretty believable. She was like, I'm in charge. I say when we go and he, who I presume doesn't answer to her says, fine. If the person I answer to sends me back here, we will do it. But otherwise we're done. And so that felt very genuine though tense um it felt like both sides were saying exactly what they believed like like i can't think of another way to investigate this and another person going we can't not keep trying we're not done um i did think that there have been situations in previous episodes where the uh death of sg1 or members of sg1 though though officially there was hope that they were not dead, they started to take actions as though they were lost. And this moment really felt like it should have fallen into that category because from Samantha Carter's point of view, uh, from her point of view, the gate didn't even open. The alien gate didn't even open. She got knocked out before that thing even happened. And so she wakes up, Mayborn and O'Neill are gone they're nowhere on the planet. Therefore, something must have happened that obliterated them. And she would have come. I, I fully believe that she would have come to the. I mean, she, that's what they were working on. They're working on the gate. I mean, I get it. The, they, they were working on that problem. But also, a possibility in there is that they're gone. Like G O N E gone in a way that you can't get them back. Maybe that gate was not a gate at all, but an obliterator. Mm. Right? Maybe they got turned into sausage. 
Like, you like you don't know, really. I respect why the character wanted to keep trying. I'm not going to fault that. But I was a little bit curious as to why the story insisted on letting that keep playing like that, right? Like, it was a, like a month uh, uh, that, that, that before, like, before uh, Hammond was considering new leaders for the SG-1 team. Right. You know, I, we've seen earlier episodes where he makes that decision a little bit faster like oh, i guess that person's gone until we can figure it out so that one felt a little bit tenuous then getting back to the scene between her and teal and i'm really really glad that that made the cut because i was not happy with how fast and almost nonchalant sam carter at the very end was smiling and beaming and like, I figured it out. This is it. The solution was really, really too tidy. It was way too tidy. Um, Oh, look, this circle is that. That circle is this. This means that. And if this other moon was inhabitable, a fact which I didn't pick up on, I did pick up on that there was a big moon in the sky. I noticed that. But I did not pick up on the fact that that other moon uh, was inhabitable. Um. But if that was true, then certainly the Tok'ra who flew there would have noticed, (laughs) oh, yeah, that moon over there is inhabitable, too. And it's right there. And I'm zipping around the planet searching for life signs. I don't know. How about I try zipping over that planet, too? Like when they got on the horn, this is this is this is Jorfer. This is Jorfer talking. Uh yeah, I got your distress signal and I already scanned the planet. So like the already scanned the planet implies that it was fast. I didn't see anything. So he didn't bother to look at that other one and go, oh, I could probably should just do that one too. Oh, look, there's two. Like, <laughs> like that one felt pretty, pretty not that great. And so the way it was resolved being so obvious made a lot of things about the disappearance of Jack and uh, Harry a little bit um, tough to believe. Which so that's disappointing, right? It was doing a really great job. I mean, you know, it, I really liked that story because they wrapped it up like that. It it weakened earlier parts of the story for me, sure. which is a bummer. Sure. And also, um, Carter, I, I mean, she, in my opinion, I think that was misplayed or misdirected. Uh, there was way too much. Oh, there's the answer in the delivery versus. Like that crushing relief you get when you suddenly realize that the big, the biggest mistake you ever made actually can be resolved. So, like, are you talking about at the that very last scene, basically? Very last, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, like if it really was that simple, like her eyes should have been falling out of her head. She should have been barely able to say it out loud. She should have like picked up that thing and ran to the gate room, like, like. Like, you know, dial it out. Like, I mean, it should have been just so much energy in trying to resolve the problem versus, oh, there it is. Um, and as I say that out loud, yeah, I stand by that sentiment, but she couldn't have actually used it because she didn't know the combo, but whatever. It also then called into question the awesomeness of this furling gate that was built. That is supposed to take a person to paradise that somehow a Gould got a hold of the invitation to, which also is a little bit like, wait, what's going on here? Because it's literally a transporter from here to there, and I can see there. So if I'm a spacefaring race, like 
the there that is visible right now is not that impressive. It's not like it's yeah. it's not like it's that secret. It's it's like it's it's right there. Like <laughs> what would be impressive is that if you got transported halfway across the galaxy, like that would be impressive. Uh, as opposed to right there. So it kind of cheapened a lot of that, that, that aspect, it, it, you know, I get it. How are you going to resolve this story? I really was interested in how it was going to resolve. It resolved in that way. It kind of blew a couple things apart. So I wasn't really happy about that, but there was, as I said at the start, there's a ton of this stuff that was really, really, really good. Like the, the development of the Mayborn O'Neill relationship is just stellar right now. I and mean, he's really good. It's a lot of fun to watch those two. And they have a really, really good rapport. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a delight to watch. Um, seeing Sam be torn up and in anguish about this stuff was very believable. And watching her actions as a result of that was believable. And watching how she was stressed out and pushing other people to do that was all believable. Some of the decisions that were being made by command were a little bit tenuous. And the resolution of it cast the whole thing in a light that I'm kind of like, I maybe I'm just going to pretend like that particular solution. I'm just going to maybe think differently. I'm going to pretend something else happened because it really just kind of jam up the rest of it. And I don't like that it jammed up the rest of it. I thought the rest of it was pretty okay. Pretty, pretty good. So I'm kind of conflicted into where I'm going to go with the Chevron rating on this one. And there's a lot of pieces there and I suspect there might be a lot to react to. So I'm going to pitch it over to you. What do you think about this episode? So, um, I can resonate with a lot of what you're saying. Um, I've seen this episode many, many times. Mm-hmm. And as I have said in previous episodes, um, many of my watch-throughs have not been focused on the television watching the episode. Mm-hmm. Right? I've kind of been like just kind of listening to it, uh, you know, absorbing it in the room as I may be doing some other things with my hands or whatnot. Right. Um, and so when we came up to this episode, I had this feeling in the back of my head that I'm like, oh, okay, it's this episode. Ah. Yep. And as I was watching this episode now, I began to put some of those pieces together. Um, a, because a lot of this episode, there is no dialogue. It's, it's, it's the visual stuff. It's mm-hmm. watching O'Neill walk through and check boxes off and, and walk across, you know, over by a waterfall mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, and look at all this stuff. Uh, and the visual quality is impressive. And it's mm-hmm. vital to the story because the story is told in things, not words. Mm-hmm. Um. And like you, when I allow myself to get into that space, I see that, I experience that, and I'm really drawn into things. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you, I love the relationship of Mayborn and O'Neill. From the get-go in this episode, when you see the dog being pulled off of the mm-hmm. grill, uh, and it's like, oh, yeah, I got a beer too. And, and you know, that conversation... Uh, to the, the the physical humor of using his own beer to uh, douse the the, yes. <laughs> the the paper as it's burning, um, you know it's it's great. You get the uh, this lie. It's not that I don't believe you lied to me. It's that you lied to me. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, you know, to the point where, like, you know, I've never walked through this gate, and I'm just taking a moment. Yeah. Are you done now? One. Yeah, I'm done. Okay, so let's yeah, go. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, just just these little things. Uh, it's really good, um, and I'm drawn into the story. Uh, even uh, Samantha's response 
uh, when you get that, I think that the, the scene in the locker room is vital because yeah. that's the scene where you be, you understand now and they let you know um, why she has been acting this way. You see that from the get-go, as soon as she loses O'Neal, what's going on? She's like, I'm sorry, he got my stuff. Hey, you know, it's not a big deal. Snap, 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 snap. No, 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 you got to do this, you got to do that. You know, she's, she's being not nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the scene where you you really understand what's going on there. Where you know, and and you think about it, a lot's happened to her in six months or so. She lost one of her best friends in Daniel Jackson, mm-hmm. and they got a new person on the team. And now she's beginning to kind of feel comfortable with him. Uh, he is starting to become part of the team. We're seeing that in the, ne- the last couple of episodes. Um, and now you got to figure there's a little bit of this, yeah, but I liked Daniel. Oh, but this mm-hmm. new guy works too, and he's good, and I like him and all of his stuff, but I like Dan- you know. So you got that going on, uh, but there's that, that weight of losing your good, good friend. And then uh, we all know that Sam and Jack have a relationship that is beyond that of simply friends and colleagues. Mm-hmm. What it is, it's not determined we don't know but we know that mm-hmm. it is stronger than just friends mm-hmm. and now she's lost him and it's been a month and it's looking more and more like not only uh you know is he lost we can't find him but after a month if he's been lost and he's somewhere else we can't find him it's a month mm-hmm. i mean even if he was transported to someplace just fine and happy it's been a month that mm-hmm. could be enough to have killed him you know, I mean, mm-hmm. if you don't mm-hmm. have food and water, you're not yeah, going well, yeah. to live that long. Right. Um, so all of this stuff is just building up. And to see uh, that scene, uh, to let that come out of her and and be witnessed uh, is really important to the story. And personally, I love Teal's response. I deal with mm-hmm. people who are having who have. Uh, high emotions, strong emotions, and are dealing with this, you know, on a fairly regular basis. Mm-hmm. And the best thing that we can do in those situations is to just sit there with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, myself, personally, and I see this in other people as they walk into these situations, uh, it tends to be our response that we uh, want to say, excuse me, we want to say something. We want to do something. We want to make sure that they know it's okay. We want to fix the problem. We Mm -hmm. see that they are broken and we want to put the pieces together. And we can't do that. Mm -hmm. And you get Teal'c in there who's like, like, um, hey Sam, I'm here. And she's like, this is the girls' locker room. I'm like, I know, but you're the only one here. You got all your clothes on. It should be fine. I'm not here for that. I'm here for something else. I'm here to be mm-hmm. your friend. And he mm-hmm. just sits there. And he lets her cry. And he lets her talk. And he lets her fall on his shoulder. And that is as much as can be done. And it was done well. And it was shot well. And it didn't mm-hmm. linger. It didn't go further. It was perfect, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That scene was great. That was a great scene. Um, like you, I totally agree that when you get to the resolution of this and you start putting the pieces together, uh, it creates some holes. Now, mm-hmm. 
I can imagine, and it's implied that when O'Neill and Mayborn go through that gate, um, they uh, the something happens to the moon and it disappears because it's there at the beginning and then it's not there later on. Something happened. I thought it was just. Real, I thought I thought it was just in its orbit. So I think. So I think, if I remember correctly, that it actually disappears. It goes huh. away, uh, which is one of the things that she didn't even realize it. Like she didn't even think about the moon because it was there at the beginning, but she didn't think about it, and then it was just gone. And with all of the stress, she didn't even know it was gone. And it wasn't until they looked through the map and they saw the before and the after, and then all of this stuff that she began to put the pieces together. So if that's true, that then gives us something to explain, I suppose, why the Tok'ra missed it on the first pass. But I still think you're right. There's like, you know, Tok'ra be, be more like technologically advanced and be yeah. more uh, proactive in how you're responding to problems. You're good like that. That's what you're supposed to be good at. Um, and all of this stuff. But let's assume for a moment that the planet is gone. Then we just kind of hand wave, not the planet, the, the moon is disappeared. It's cloaked in some capacity. Uh, they hand wave quite expertly this whole process of uh, the, the, oh, okay, so there is a moon. Well, if the moon is there and it was cloaked and it's disappeared, well, now we got to go find the moon. How are we going to go find the moon? We just walk right over that. We just pass that by like it's not there. That's so interesting. Stick a pin in that. I want to come back to it. Um, either that, either that's what happened, or they just ignored the moon and the Tok'ra are utterly incompetent, which is also a possibility. And either way, it becomes... Uh, question marks in the the story itself and i also agree with you 100 percent that that scene when carter figures it out she's being her standard carter self yes that 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 she's confident and collected and and i would have wanted to see more of that uh emotionally heavy carter uh because while it is good that we had that processing moment with teal it's not enough to fix the problem. And, and you know, so the, the emotions are still there. It and was to, still too jarring. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I can buy the, the speed by which it happens. You know, she's just kind of sitting there. She's processing all of this stuff. Uh, they had just been looking at the MALP stuff right there, but she hadn't put the pieces together. Uh, I think it was uh, Jonas who says, well, it looks like the, the, the carvings are just carvings and they're fun. But for her to look at that and in that moment kind of put the pieces together, I can buy that. It's a little fast. It's not what the story is about. They had to bring it to a resolution. I can buy that. I can give them a pass on that. But the the weight of it emotionally wasn't there. And so either this was Amanda Tapping not connecting the dots because things were filmed out of order uh, or the director not giving appropriate directing uh things frankly it's his job as the director to keep track of that and say mm-hmm. when you're in this situation remember where we're at and bring us that emotional quality that you have because amanda tapping could have acted the crap out of that oh yeah that's that's that, that yes yes you know it, it's not an issue of amanda tapping not being able to produce those emotions and that weight and 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 have that layer of uh this is still heavy on me even though i'm normal mm-hmm. for lack of a better term yeah. She can do that. But she didn't. 
and that there there was something that was missed there. Yeah. Uh, and so for me, as I remember this episode in the past uh, of not paying close attention and just kind of letting it wash over me, these little tidbits of things uh, bothered me, and I'm like, nah, whatever. Mm-hmm. But as I sat there and watched the episode and and witnessed it and actually paid attention to it and then the 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 lighting and the color of the moon mm-hmm. that they were mm-hmm. on and and the way the the filming of things highlighted without saying hey uh, Mayborn is drugged up and so is Emil right. and it's causing right. problems in their relationship they showed that they didn't have to say it Mm-hmm. Uh, so I caught that again this time around, uh, and I really found myself liking this episode more this time mm-hmm. than I remember seeing it in the past. Mm-hmm. There are I still think, problems. Yeah, I think that if I had to, if I had to take a guess as to why, in your many rewatches, you were always like, "Yeah, this is this is this is the one where blah happens," and you know, it's sort of a thing. Uh, you, know, you know, to your earlier points of. Um, if you are visually engaged, if Zach, if you're watching this and you are visually engaged elsewhere, there's not a lot of dialogue to bring you back in. Mm-hmm. Um, that's piece number one. Piece number two is that because you know how it ends, it, both in solving the mystery and also how that it, how that information is conveyed, that ending is not that good. Yeah. So it ends up tarnishing the whole thing. So if you're coming at it and you're like, oh, yep, this is the episode where Mayborn and O'Neill go through the little gate thing and they're on the moon and there's not a lot of talking and they figure out that they're on the moon and that's it. Like, I can kind of see how you would walk up to it and be like, this is the story where this happens and it is, it happens in this way and it gets resolved like this and it wasn't all that great. So let's just keep moving. Um, versus, as you were saying right now and as I experienced it, there was a lot of really, really good stuff in here. It was really working well, very well. And the the very end kind of blew a bunch of holes into it, and which is kind of annoying. Yeah. Um, hence me feeling conflicted because there was a lot of really cool stuff in the front part of this thing, almost almost all the way through. There was a couple of things that I was sort of noticing midway. I can't even recall what they were, but, you know, it was a couple of stretches. Oh, one of them was... Um, like either the dead people were dead all that all not that long there weren't any wild animals foraging or there's something weird about the skeletons of the creatures that died there like 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 the bones the way that they were was just kind of weird and i get it because it's tv what are you gonna do but um you know it didn't i was supposed to think that this was ancient 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 uh, settlement that had been abandoned for a thousand years. Well, the bones wouldn't look like that. <laughs> like, well, there's a good chance work. that just just uh, standard weathering, you know, rain and it would have snow been enough. Exactly. and, and exactly. sun and all of that stuff would have buried almost all of that by itself. That's also true, too. That's right. So there was a couple parts about it that were a little bit weird. Same thing with, like, the settlement itself. You're right. He pulls down. I, I did think about it. I didn't dwell on it but he pulled uh o'neill pulls down that like sackcloth to hide pieces of the weaponry next to the reed uh um decoration basically it's a prop but whatever it's supposed to be like a fence or something right none of that would have lasted more than three years if that two maybe um 
So the catastrophe that befell these people must have been very recent. But of course, I'm supposed to be thinking it was a long time ago. So there were definitely parts about it that didn't quite line up. But I want to come back to how interesting it is to me that uh, Zach, you interpreted the missing moon as a technology, which then kind of begs the question, why was the moon showing up? Like, what's what's that? What what goes on there? I am definitely going into the camp of the moon is orbiting the planet and we saw it because it was in position, which implies that that gate doesn't work unless the moon is in position. Oh, well, that's actually something that I thought I heard Carter say, but did I actually hear her say that when she was blowing through the explanation at the end? So what she said was this big circle represents the the planet and the little circle represents the the moon and this line that goes through represents the connection, the gate that takes you from one to the other. Yes, she didn't she didn't say I interpreted that line as the gate only works when the moon is in this certain position, mm. which then made me think, did Mayborn know that the moon was gonna be in the right position when they went? Um maybe he did, but that's also convenient. Uh so actually, as you and I are coming to two different interpretations with which both represent storytelling problems, right? They they introduce storytelling problems, both of our interpretations. Uh, which were not addressed at all in the episode, which again brings it back to this ending kind of did a lot of damage to the story. And that's a little weird that an ending can do so much damage to the story, but here it is. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate because this story was really, this story was really doing a lot of heavy lifting. It was working out quite well. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So the pin, that was the pin. I wanted to talk about the moon, blah, blah, blah. The pin unstuck, but all right. Yeah. So, are are you ready? I'm curious as to what you're going to rate this. Yeah, I, I'm. Yeah, I, I'm just curious to hear ready. what you have to say. Yeah. Let's let's so let's talk ratings here. Um. So I'm kind of left with the decision. Okay, all right. Let's let's work this thing through. My general rule is, um, you know, whatever I feel, however I feel about the episode at the end of it is 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 it. I do not let myself get influenced by our conversation. All that much. That's not always true, but you know, generally, <laughs> I, I I try to stick with what I've thought about it after I saw it, and here I am with a bit of a conundrum. Do I do I do I do I look upon the first nine tenths of it favorably and kind of hand wave over the last tenth and say this was good, I liked it, nice score, or do I acknowledge that because I give one rating. I don't rate the first half and I don't, and then the second half, like (laughs) that's not a thing that I do. Um, I got to view it as the whole. And as a whole, it unfortunately fell apart for me at the end. I'm going to do the latter. And that's, that's a little harsh because there was a lot of good stuff in that first part, but boy, that ending really, really just kneecapped it. Um, I'm going to give this one. Yeah, even with it, I think I'm going to give it a four. Um, Three or four, I was going to go on. I'm going to give it a four. Uh, If I retcon, if I think about how... This this is going to be a hard retcon for me (laughs) with my headcanon. (laughs) But I think I can probably retcon that ending in a way that is a little less galling. Um, It really was too fast. The, uh, you know, even, even... 
the ability to work through that problem. You could have snipped off five or 10 seconds of O'Neill going around the camp and giving it to um, Samantha Carter, staring at it for a little bit, you know, her eyebrows furrowing a tad. And then all of a sudden her eyes get a little wider and a little wider as it's kind of coming to her. It clicks, it clicks, it clicks. There's the solution. That would have been far more believable than her looking at it going, and they did, they tried, right? Remind that. Let me look over there. But it was that last part that was way too fast. Yeah. Like, let that moment brew just another five seconds. Five seconds on screen is an eternity. That's an eternity. Let it happen. Let me watch her think it through. And then when she lights up and that old Sam Carter is back and she just says, this is this, this is that, that's that. Like, that moment is going to feel far more genuine than what happened, which was rewinded a little bit. Oh, there's the answer. La, 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 la. And then off they went. Like, right. that would have gone so much better. But it didn't. So, four out of five for me. Yeah. Five? Not five. We four do out seven, of seven. Dude. Four out of seven. All right. What All about right. you? What do you think? So, if I were to give this a Chevron rating prior to this watching, mm-hmm. it probably would be a three. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, Julia was actually saying that she couldn't remember this episode at all mm-hmm. before we watched it the other day. Um, and I remembered it, and I'm like, well, it's the episode that this and that's nice, that happens. Um, but it, as, after, after this rewatching, it is an episode better than a three. It's mm-hmm. worth more than a three. Uh, yes, there are problems at the end, as we've talked about, that doesn't, uh, kill the rest of the episode completely mm-hmm. um and so i am actually going to give this a four and a half mm-hmm. i'm gonna go up to a okay. four and a half uh so i'm gonna bring it up to a four because i enjoyed it a lot more and i had forgotten that the furlings were talked about and so mm-hmm. because i need to justify this in some capacity i say it talks about the furlings it so, talks about the furlings so we get a it half chevron the for the furlings there you go all right nice there we go all right, we have some predictions. Yeah, I noticed that there were some Twitter notifications. Ooh, I did tell people yeah. that they needed to go and, and tweet the tweets. Uh, really? So that I had things to read? That was last week in the podcast, Brent. All right, so hold on here. Uh, okay, we do have some things here. Okay. All right, so we got Jacqueline. Hi, Jacqueline. Oh, hi, Jacqueline. I haven't set my ratings in for a while. And I have quite a few podcast episodes to catch up on. Heidi face. That's okay. It's all right. Life happens. It's all good. But she's going to say a five and a half from Zach. Mm. Pretty close. And a five from Brent. Very close. Ooh. And got the, got the difference between us right yep. on the money. Yep. Also, she says, if you need tweets sent out for the podcast, I'm your girl. I might take her up on Ooh. that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it would be hear. lovely if we had somebody who actually understood social media, social media oh my and gosh. could do social media. Because, Zach, yeah. this thing is not this. Our podcast isn't that big. You're right. <laughs> You're absolutely right. But it is funny gosh. that it's, it's, it's big enough and neither one of us can do social media well. No, no, nah, that's a good point. All right, but we have more. We have more. To, I have more to read. Oh. We have Sean. Hi, Sean. Hi, Sean. Interesting change of color. Tra- let me try that again. Interesting change of color saturation halfway through the episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not even a flinch when the Telnac, de- 
when the Telnec nearly skimmed their heads off the end. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And I read that wrong. Teltec, I've got, I've got my brightness down too low. Can you tell? I'm turning into. I'm also trying to read through a pop filter. So there we go. Interesting change of color saturation halfway through the episode. Not even a flinch when the Teltac nearly skimmed their heads off at the end. It was an okay episode that gets bonus points for Mayborn playing Rambo. Yes, that was yes. nice. Yes, yes. No direct benefit to the story arc. Ratings are on Facebook. So, uh, Zach, well, we're going to have more to read there. So, so this is what Sean says on the Facebook. He says, this okay, gets a five from me and a four and a half from Zach and a five from Brent. My That's full review close. can be found on Twitter today, because why not? <laughs> that This is kind of fun. Yeah. All right. All right. So we have David. Hi, David. Hi, David. There was a furling reference. That's got to give it a bump. He was replying to Sean. Ah, well, yes. Hey, I, you uh, know, I have... gave it a bump for the furling reference. That's There we go. There you go. There we go. Uh, we have Kevin. Yes, Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Brent. Twitter matters, and so do you. Aw, thanks. Twitter matters, and so do you. You do matter, and we want stuff for you to do. Because we know how much you love social media. Kevin, (laughs) except Facebook. I hate hate Facebook. Okay. I'm I'm interweaving my own commentary way too much here, so I'm just going to go at it straight. All right, here we go. Hi, Brent. Twitter matters, and so do you. You do matter, and we want stuff for you to do because we know how much you love social media. Hmm. Except Facebook. We know you don't suck the zuck. We- <laughs> Wait, <what>? Okay. <laughs> but keep up the good Twitter work. Oh, yeah. I put my prediction on Facebook. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks. I appreciate that. All Thanks right. for writing in. Well, so here's what Kevin says on Facebook. Uh, Hi, yes. Zach. Hi, Brent. Again. This is a very important episode. We get the second appearance of Dr. Lee, and we learn that the women have gotten their own locker room since the cold Lazarus episode. I noticed that. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's a good thing. Oh, the overall meta story? Yeah, I've got nothing. Uh, Sure. This episode has got some neat things. The return of Mayborn, because we all know how much Brent, Mr. Agent of Chaos, loves people connected to the NID. (laughs) Furling technology, CGI pigs, (laughs) Sam crying in the dark, and drugged arugula. Not to mention that cool tone change as the drugs start to affect Jack. But Mm -hmm, despite mm -hmm. all that, this is never an episode I'm excited to see. I'm going to Mm -hmm. predict a four from Zach and a four Mm -hmm. from Brent. Very oh, close. So very, close. very, very, very close. If I hadn't Excellent given it that bump from the furlings, you would have gotten. Yeah. You, there yeah. you go. Mm-hmm. All right. So we got one more thing here from Nick, but it was still a reply to Kevin. Okay. Uh, mentioning that uh, Zuck has indirectly paid Kevin uh, Nick's bills for seven years and counting. So <laughs> I, I suppose that. There's a decent retort when one's living is made off of the thing that another person hates. It's fine. I get it. But just saying. Okay. So there we go. All right. That was Twitter. There's Twitter. All right. Well, we do have a few more predictions here on Facebook. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, we'll start with JD. Hi, JD. JD says, this is a fun episode with the man we love to hate and hate to love, Harry Mayborn, mm-hmm. which is always a positive. The story is interesting, though. Def- though definitely feels like a bottle episode. It is mm-hmm. interesting overall, though. I'm going to predict a five from Brent. Maybe this one will get him out of his low scores funk of late. And a five and a half from Zach. 
Yeah, I got the spread again as far as between, yep. between the two of us, but nice. All right. So uh, then it was Sean. We talked about that. Then we have Rowan. Mm-hmm. Hey, Rowan. Rowan. Uh, they say, in a shocking plot twist, Mayborn is sneaky and cannot be trusted. <laughs> uh, you know, it's not that you lied to me. It's that you lied to me. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. All right. He whisks O'Neill away to a balmy Pacific Northwest paradise. It's almost as idyllic as the time <laughs> O'Neill was stranded for 100 days with a beautiful woman who loved him. Only this time the beautiful <laughs> woman is Mayborn. <laughs> oh, that was the thing. That was the thing that I said to myself. Two weeks later and Jack O'Neill's uh, um, beard has not grown at all? That's not that, uh, Anyway, yeah. that was that was the yeah. thing. Yeah. Anyway, carry on. All right, so... And both men appear to be slowly losing their minds as the camera filter transports them into the heart of darkness. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Carter and Teal <laughs> are missing their special guy, and Jonas is doing something important, I'm sure. I'm sure. This episode is more character piece than plot advancement. Too bad mm-hmm. this is the last time we'll see Mayborn. Or is it? <gasps> you guys! Ah. Uh teasing me so either i hope i see him again either this is the last time we'll see mayborn or it we'll see him again yeah 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 okay i know rowan continues fives all around assuming the Mm. story sparks some interesting discussion this episode has been rated a 7.8 by viewers on imdb which is a Mm -hmm. four and a half on my imdb to chevron rating conversion scale Putting go. it in Zach, the right bottom half of Stargate episodes overall. I think it's the end that kind of does it. I think that the ending kind of just pulls the punch back. Yeah. And so as a result, it doesn't doesn't it just doesn't it it doesn't end well. And so people that's the last impression that people get is that yeah. it just ended too easily. All right. And we have one more prediction here on Facebook. We from mm-hmm. Kimberly. Hey Kimberly. Kimberly predicts a five from Brent and a four from mm-hmm. Zach. Mm. And she says, Jack and Mayborn on drugs. Fun, <laughs> if not meta, episode. <laughs> so, yeah, there nice. we go. Now, we do have a couple of emails here. So let Very me good. pull them up here. Uh, let me see here. Uh, and by, so I knew we had um, two, but now just, we, oh, wow. Dan, you got it squeaked in the wire because he got he sent this at 11 34 this morning and that was just about an hour ago from us you got it in there made it nice and he begins completely spaced on the day hope i'm not too late for this so i'll keep this brief you just made it awesome you gotta love harry he's the character you love to hate but just can't anymore yeah, I love yeah, 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 the buddy yeah. show mm-hmm. for Jack and Harry. You know, I would really, it would be fascinating to watch uh, more of that show, the the Jack and Harry mm-hmm. show. Yeah. All right, Dan continues. I agree. Quick lessons to be learned. Number one, mm-hmm. always take a moment before your first time going through the gate. Moments are meant to be quick, kind of like this <laughs> review. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Number two. Harry lied to Jack? Never would have guessed. Nah, right? Number three. Harry lied to Jack. Again! Uh-huh. Saw that one uh-huh. coming. Number four. 
C4 is not optimal for hunting purposes. Works well for no. fish, though. <laughs> yes, that's true. Number five. Overkill is okay sometimes. However, rethink using grenades to kill wild boar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was kind of wondering how much meat he was hoping to have. Now, <laughs> I, I, I will give that a whole pass in the fact that he was totally drugged up. Uh, that's a good point. That's fair. Um, so, number six. All things can be forgiven by shooting someone in the leg. Twice. Wait, wait. Twice. Let me rethink this one. Anyway. Yeah, no. Okay. Yeah. It's an abnormal episode that works well. Five and a half from me, five mm -hmm. from Brent, and five and a half from Zach. Again with the good spread, but uh, yeah, we yep. were a little bit more harsh. Next time on good Stargate SG-1, some things happen and other things take place. Join us next time on Stargate SG-1. I like that. I might use that. All right. Well, we'll get here to the next episode here in a minute. Maybe you can. Mm-hmm. All right, we have Aunt Susie. We've got two more. Aunt Susie is Hi, next. Aunt Susie. I'm just wild about Harry, she says. The more I see of Harry, the more I love him. I like this episode with Starsky and Hutch taking center yep. stage and once again at each other's throats. Mm -hmm. I loved how their descent into madness was reflected into the fading color saturation mm -hmm. with color only returning once they stopped eating the arugula. Mm -hmm. Equally important to the episode... Uh, equally important to this episode were Sam's feelings of guilt and grief as she took on the responsibility for losing Neil so soon after losing Daniel. Mm -hmm. The women's locker room scene would have been a perfect opportunity to have Ascended Daniel appear to provide comfort and solace, but Teal did a great job of doing so in Daniel's absence. Mm -hmm. I'm giving this one a six. I think mm -hmm. Zach will give it a six two as it's a solid episode with a good setup for some future events. Brent, hard to say, but maybe he'll be feeling more generous this week and give it a five, since while there were no bugs, they did blow up some fish. Oh, that's a good point. Fish were dead. That is true. Oh, and uh, that scene where he takes the fish and he chucks it out and it lands like right yes. at uh, his feet. Um, uh, Richard Dean Anderson was not expecting the fish to land so close, and that little jump was real. <laughs> nice alright we have David hi David David says Harry Mayborn lies more than I make Chevron biased buffer jokes oh that's a true statement that's every week he says what's not to like about this episode it's got furlings almost drama action almost. adventure great cinematography and Harry Mayborn being the lying liar that we love to hate and hate to love <laughs> yeah Brent will give it six chevrons for name-dropping the furlings, and Zach will give it six and a half chevrons for Mayborn being his most Mayborniness. His most Mayborniness. I, yeah, that ending really, really just, like I said, it kneecapped it, I think. But yeah. There was All a lot right. of good stuff going on in this one. Yeah. So... Those are our predictions, and thank awesome. you very much for all of that. Love them, love yes, them. Yes, thank you, everybody. All right, Brent. Yeah. Our next episode is entitled Metamorphosis. How about I not nail my microphone while we're recording? Okay, yes, Metamorphosis. Okay. And I ask you, what is Metamorphosis all about? Metamorphosis. Hmm. Hmm. Next time on Stargate SG-1, things happen and stuff occurs. Next time on Stargate SG-1. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but that was good. 
next time on Stargate SG-1. The SG-1 team travels through the gate to find themselves on a strange world. This is a world that seems to be encapsulated by none other than the very same weird venomous insects that put people into cocoons to make more of themselves. Mm. A they recognize of this bugs? that we know what's going on here. We don't like it, so we book it right out of there. However, back at the base, something has happened. Deep down inside of Teal'c, a signal has been received. You see, since there are none of these bugs on Earth, he was never given the signal to transform. <gasps> What's going to happen? Can the medical team save him in time? What will he transform into? Perhaps it will be a butterfly. Aww. Or perhaps it will be the Harbinger of Doom. <laughs> Join us next time on Stargate SG-1 Metamorphosis. Well, what do you think? Okay, so... Maybe some Bane action again? That'd be pretty sweet. So uh, I will say that you are correct and that they go to a strange new world. Oh, hey, good. I like um, you are correct that they run into some things. Okay. Um, and some other things happen. Um, and we should watch the rest of the promo to find out what else happens. Okay. All right. Let's get into it. Are you ready? I am ready. I'm hitting play now. Next time on Stargate SG-1. You're such a chicken The Russian Stargate team has brought back someone from an off-world mission. Holloman has a vital information regarding the Gwalt Mirti. What about her? Oh. She is experimenting on my people. Oh. What horrors will they find on this planet? We cannot allow you oh. to harm oh. Mirti. Oh no! Oh no! Uh -oh. And what temptations will be used against them? make you more powerful than you could imagine. It's all next time on Stargate SG-1. I'm sure you're aware that a second shot from this weapon will kill. This weapon kills on the first shot. Ooh, Ooh. nice! Alright! Gonna get some near tea. Near tea. Nice. Uh, Looking forward to that. There you go. Although, as I was pitching my metamorphosis idea, I, as, I, I, as I heard the words coming out of my mouth, because that's how it works, I was like, man, that's actually a pretty okay idea that I just had just now. Sure. It's we go someplace, and then it calls back to an episode that everybody hates, but we bring it back, you see, so now it's important. Right. But if the whole about. point of that episode is to see Teal'c metamorphose again, uh, well, we've already done that, and it wasn't done in a great way. We can do it better. Ah. So the moral of the story is, if you do a story badly, do it again better. I mean, I wish I had something on the... I, I, because the joke was, it worked for insert episode here. And my brain was rapidly trying to think of an episode where that would apply, and I couldn't think of one. Yeah. Uh, okay. The, so the joke is dead. That's okay. Well, thank you very much, David, for the promos. Uh, Shoot it appreciate that you're doing that. That's awesome. <laughs> thank you, David. <laughs> 
Tell us what you think. You can email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. Of course, please follow us on Twitter at Stargate Walking. And, of course, go to Facebook and join us there in the Facebook group and the page and all of those fun things. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you want, go to the Patreon and do other Patreon stuff. and That's awesome. And if you want to go to the website, go to the website and do the website stuff. That's all awesome (laughs) stuff. It's all so good. And with all that, I say I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.